Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Sunday, December the 3rd. And let me say hello to our good friend, uh, George Rodriguez from South Texas. George, how's everything going? Real good. Thank you. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we got a lot to get into tonight uh, as we look at the Texas report. But I got to begin. This is a, a personal story, not personal, but maybe a generational story. I'll put it that way. Andy Williams was born on this day in 1927. He passed away in 2012. I mean, this guy had a TV show every week, as I recall. We had that Andy Williams show that was on TV. I don't know how long it was on TV, but for a long time. Uh, And uh, what I used to like about the show was his little cute French wife, Claudine, I think was her name. And she had that strong French accent, remember? Correct. And they, she would bring the babies. They had several kids, and she would bring like the babies to the show, especially the Christmas show. And I, I, I'm sure there was a lot more about Andy Williams to remember, but that's what I remember: his wife Claudine, George. Yeah, I remember the Christmas show. Yes. Every every Christmas every year, the Christmas show was really the high point of the Andy Williams show. Yes, and uh, of course he went. He will forever be remembered as the man who did the the theme from The Godfather, I think. I think it was Andy Williams who did The Godfather, you know, or Love Story, one of those two. It was Love Story. Yeah, love, one of those two, yeah. So Andy Williams, born in Iowa, of all places, on this day in 1927, passed away in 2012. I don't know whatever happened to Claudine. I assume, she's, I assume that she's still alive, but she's been off the front pages for a long time. Yes. I don't know what she's up to these days. All right, well, let, let's begin with a story that just broke here in the last couple of days, and that's that a judge has just told, told Texas that, that we have to remove these barriers. Now, I'm not surprised by the decision. I'm not and, either. And and I should add that this judge is one of the most conservative judges around. So this is not some liberal head case. Yeah. Uh, this is a very conservative court. But again, you know, the... The federal government is supposed to take care of the border. So the frustration, I understand Texas frustration, George, but we may be running into a constitutional wall here. I I don't know if Texas is going to appeal it. I don't know if we can appeal it, George. Well, I think what's important to note here is, first of all, um, that the judge ruled on the voids in the water dividing uh, Mexico and the United States claiming that that is international or that is an international issue, that that is a border issue that the federal government should take care of. On the other hand, judges have stood by the state of Texas and said that they can keep the Constantina wire on the Texas premises, on the on the Texas on on Texas land. So uh, the, I, I see the difference um, when uh, the border patrol was allowed or given the order, should I say, by the Biden administration to cut the Constantina wire, uh, a uh, federal judge stepped in and said no, that the state of Texas could keep it, and uh, the the, the um, uh, Border Patrol could not do that. Now, the current situation is that the uh, even the uh, state troopers are cutting the wire, but they're cutting the wire in certain instances when there is a uh, when there is a dire necessity when somebody is passing out when there are children involved in something like that 
And that unfortunately is, it has, has uh, created a situation where a lot of the migrants are, have, have uh, passed the word and uh, either they'll fake a faint or they will literally bring children to the wire and, the, and, and then they'll have to cut it uh, so that the kids can get through. So, um, you know, on that aspect of it, I see the difference that has that uh, the judges have uh, viewed. But I think, again, when it comes to controlling the border, it's going to have to be the federal government. And we don't I, I, we just don't see any any right. light at that end uh, at the end. So, of that. yeah, no, you're right. And, and that's why I'm not surprised by the decision coming from a very conservative judge. Uh, we should point that out that. Yeah. This is a very conservative by, uh, by both Reagan and, and Bush. That's right. This is a very conservative court uh, or appellate court, I guess, uh, at that point. Well, it's not appellate, I guess, circuit court. Oh, no, it's yeah. just a circuit court. Yeah. But so if I understood you correctly, George, maybe the judge is telling Texas indirectly that they should move the barriers maybe a couple of feet north. Exactly. I think that was the message, to be yeah. honest with you. I mean, you know, initially, our, uh, Facebook and, and uh, social media just exploded and the people were very upset. This is a rhino, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that the message that the, that the, um, that the uh, uh, judge sent is very, very clear. If Texas wants to control Texas territory, control it on Texas territory. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's good news to hear that because then that, that means that the barriers just they cannot be in, on international territory. They have to be on, exactly right. on Texas waters and Texas does have sovereignty over its waters. So now the, the attorney general said he was going to appeal it, but based on what you just explained to me, I don't know why he would appeal it. I think he was, well, I think he's going to appeal the same because, um, you know, there's always the, the possibility that, um, you know, that uh, some, that, that another judge, We'll go ahead and side with Texas and and leave it alone. Oh, okay. You know, there's always that possibility, and so that, you know. Well, one uh, of the things that reaching for it, and yeah. ultimately, ultimately, Silvio, I think that the that the Attorney General of Texas wants to push all these issues to up as far as we can, so that they can all be brought to a head at the Supreme Court. Well, that was that's exactly right, and I'm glad you brought that up because. I think that's what I'm hoping for. Well, I would I like to see the Supreme Court look into this issue and say, what happens? It, it, it's got to be. I mean, yeah. this is this is a situation that we're looking at at this point, a situation where the federal government is not doing its job. Right. And we have literally, regardless of what other adjective or adverb we want to use in describing the situation, we have an invasion. Right. And, uh, you know, we've got, to, I mean, I, I, I was just down again this, the, this morning over by at the uh, uh, migrant center here in San Antonio. And while the migrant center only handles a very small portion of people coming across the border right now, it is flooded. Right. It is absolutely flooded. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is, it, it's a situation right now where uh, it, it's, it's out of control and the, and the federal government is directly responsible for it. That's right. No, that's what I mean. That, I would love to see a test case go to the Supreme Court. And the question is, 
What happens when the federal government doesn't do its job and states are exposed exactly to this kind of danger of people exactly. coming over and the cost? I mean, that's another thing. The cost of of uh, you know of the illegal immigration in the state of Texas and everywhere else. Just ask the governor of Massachusetts or the mayor of Chicago or they're freaking the mayor out. of New York. I mean, yeah, they don't know what again. to do. There was an article again this morning uh, that Fox carried about. Um, uh, the amount of theft that is that Macy's Macy's in Chicago is complaining about, and every single person that they have caught uh, uh, stealing at Macy's uh, has been a Venezuelan. Wow. Now, what are the chances for that? Right, and that's and that's really sad because. You know they're giving Venezuelans a bad name, uh, and they—I sh- mean—they need to to control that better. I I remember talking to a Venezuelan here recently who was complaining that the people coming over are not some of the better Venezuelans, yeah, uh, in the country, and and that's a shame. That's and, and an absolute shame. Interview, this is not again. Many people, uh, many Democrats. In fact, uh, on Friday I was on on uh, Univision uh, uh, debating. We're not debating, but discussing the Carter legacy. And one of the Carter legacies is uh, the refugee program that he established, which included uh, Cuban exiles. And, you know, uh, there was this Democrat that was that was comparing uh, that program to what we've got right now. It is far from it. Far from it. Oh, if nothing else, in numbers. Yeah, well, uh, in numbers and and the process and how that, that was program that that Carter established and that later on uh, the Reagan administration uh, helped uh, and tweaked was very controlled. We knew who right. was coming in, we knew who was uh, who they were, et cetera, et cetera. This situation that we've got right now, no, no, it, it's there's no comparison. People have tried to say that, and I I keep saying to people, look, we have a noble tradition in this country of asylum. But that's not what we're seeing on the border. Exactly. That, that is not what we're seeing on the border. So um, that's interesting, though. I, I I really like your analysis saying that what the judge is saying, hey, just don't put it on an international border. Put right. it on the Texas water and then we're OK. I, that's a great point. I appreciate that, George, very much. I, uh, I'm i glad I'm glad that uh, you shared uh, that analysis with us. Well, let's move on to um, I mentioned that. Andy Williams was born in Iowa. Well, Iowa is coming up. And there was a little debate here last week between the governor of Florida, who's obviously thinking about Iowa, and the governor of California, who he keeps saying he's not running, but I, he's, you know, he smells like a candidate to me. Yeah, but anyway, they like had this. Smells like a duck. Yeah. Quacks like a duck. This is, to me, was a very interesting debate because I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, I had seen DeSantis debate, and he's a pretty good debater. Uh, and I had, uh, I had seen, uh, you know, him debate in some of these debates and I thought he was pretty good, but I had never seen Newsom. So I was kind of going what, what people were saying, the expectations that Newsom is really slick, that, uh, you know, that he's really good on his feet. Well, I didn't see that, but what I saw was frankly, a guy who was not comfortable, a guy who was dodging questions i mean i saw DeSantis hitting hitting yeah. hitting hitting exactly and and at times you got the feeling that newsom had no answer now in all fairness to newsom it's kind of tough to defend what's happening in california 
but you would have thought he was better. He would be better prepared. And my conclusion, George, it was, but my conclusion, George, I like to get your reaction to this, but my conclusion is that Newsom has never had, has never had to debate somebody from this side that he's basically been on the other side dealing basically with Democrats. And now for the first time, he, he was actually being challenged from our side. And he didn't know how to, he really didn't know. His answers were poor. And he kept going back to, you know, the usual lines about, you know, uh, I mean, just the, the usual talking points. He didn't really have much of a, I don't know, I, I wasn't impressed. I mean, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. I agree. Um, it, it seems to me that the only people that ever debate you are the, are, 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 are lower, I'll use the term lower echelon uh, liberals uh, who will, you know, debate you for anything and everything. However, if you go into the higher echelon, into the politicians, and particularly the higher the politician, the Castro twins here in San Antonio, for example, will not debate anybody. They will not debate anyone. Uh, Beto, rarely will he debate anybody. Rarely will he debate anybody. Uh, you know, um, the situation is because, in my opinion, now this is strictly my opinion and my observation, is that they, their arguments can't hold much water. Everything that Newsom said uh, was either, like you said, a talking point uh, or an agenda assumption. And, uh, you know, the facts of liberal uh, of liberal policies, whether it's monetary and economic, like Biden economics, or whether it's crime and law and order, like we're seeing in the streets of virtually every major city, uh, or uh, uh, foreign policy. We've got American ships now being uh, coming under attack uh, in, in, the, in, in, in the Red Sea. I mean, we've got situations where liberal policies don't work because they are weak or because they are based on on faulty assumptions. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and so for Newsom to try to defend these policies, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the facts bear, bear otherwise. Right. Uh, but I, I do see, uh, you know, the, the one thing he did say that may turn out to be true, or at least half of it, he said that DeSantis was going to end up endorsing Trump in March. That yeah. could be true. That could, be that could be true. That could be true. Yes. The other part he said that was not true is that he's not running. He is running. He is running, and I think uh, I, I think that he is going to uh, emerge as one of the people who is considered, so to speak, to uh, replace Mr. But Mr. Biden. I think I so. But then what happens to Vice President Harris? Well, that's it. I think I think when it's all said and done, to be honest with you, there's going to be about three or four people that are going to emerge uh, competing to um, to replace uh, President yeah. Biden. I really yeah, do. and, and of course, the, the other story I heard the other day, and I think it was Senator Cruz who said this in a podcast, that what may very well happen is they get to the convention, and in the convention, everybody's already there, and then he pulls out, and then... They more or less become an open convention. It becomes an yeah. open convention. That's right. So then we we kind of go back to the smoke filled room. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the yeah. That's it. The but without the smoke, George. We well, go that, back to the smoke filled rooms without yeah, the smoke. Without the smoke, we'll have no smoke. Without tobacco smoke. 
Right, and then we'll have little water bottles instead of yeah. the liquor. Yeah, right. but it'll so it'll but but I think so. I think, I, that, I think that that that's it. I think that the political bosses of the Democratic Party eventually will have to caucus among themselves and figure out who's gonna who they're gonna push forward. Well, I don't I don't understand what else they could do, George. I mean, I when you that. see the president steal the election, yes, steal the I, election. That's the only thing that I. Well, can yeah, do. that's the other. Or thing that, or have some kind of major catastrophe where we can't vote right now. Right. So therefore we have to push it back. But when you see President Biden, the way he's handling questions, how insecure he looks oh whenever he's I mean it, I don't know how this yeah, how, minimizes it. I mean if if Newsom was uh, you know was uncomfortable with being challenged on his positions uh, Biden is way beyond that. Well, yeah, he's simply cannot do it physically. I think that's the thing that that worries me about President Biden is if he gets into a, one of these debates for 45 minutes or 30 minutes, I don't think he can keep up. I just don't think they no. they can do it. He'd be uh, well, anyway, I thought DeSantis won. I don't think it's going to translate into into a political. I think it, I think it helped it it helped deflate Newsom and expose Newsom. But I don't think it did anything else. I mean, people that uh, were talking about a possible DeSantis victory were saying, well, it just he was just looking for exposure. They expected him to win. Yes. So, um, you know, I'm not sure that it did much for anything other than it was uh, political entertainment. Well, I guess it got good ratings from what I understand. It, yeah, it was political a, a, entertainment. Yeah, it was a big ratings night for Fox News. That that was pretty, uh, pretty good. But, uh, you know, I... I now I have a crazy thought, afterthought about that debate. Uh, DeSantis may have put himself back in the position of a vice president. I know it's unthinkable, <laughs> but but on the other hand, I mean, uh, not bad. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, being number two in a presidential race, it's not the end of the world. No, of course not. Of course not. So we'll see. We'll see how that develops. Yes. But I, I would suggest to Governor Newsom that the next time he decides to have a debate like this, he better practice more. He better. And he better come up with someone to debate with, practice debate right. with, because he didn't look, I didn't think he looked that sharp. And I, I really didn't. But again, but, I don't think that his policies are based on logic. No, of course not. I mean, California is a, a, well, a problem. What, what else can we say? Yeah. Now, we have a legislature, a special legislature that ends on Monday or Tuesday. That'll be the fourth one uh, under this arrangement. Do you think the governor will call a fifth one, George? I hope he does, because I want to keep fighting for vouchers. <laughs> I think there's a good chance that he will, but I don't think that it's going to happen until sometime like, like in, in, in uh, mid-January, possibly even February. Before the primaries, you mean, to yeah. put some pressure on. Right. Now, the other day, there was a very interesting article in the Dallas Morning News saying that the the vouchers are pretty much inevitable that that that's where the party is and some republicans are going to have to make the decision do i want to win the primary or do i want vouchers because the party i mean it's going to be a tough one for some for some it is now really some fun. some may be able to get get away with it or, or retire but i i think eventually the the governor will get his vouchers and i hope he does because i think vouchers are are a good thing. He did get that piece of legislation that uh, for the border, you know, for arresting people yes. who cross the border 
That's going to be challenged already in the courts that they're saying. In fact, they're already challenging it right now. Yes. uh, Mexico has made a big deal about it, uh, screaming and yelling about it. Um, The uh, ACLU is already screaming and yelling about it. So, yeah, I mean, the minute minute that someone is arrested, that's it. That's going to be the end of it. But these people are being arrested in Texas. They're not being arrested in Mexico. No, and they're being arrested... They're being arrested for set uh, laws that they are breaking, whether it is it, it is uh, trespassing or whether it is uh, that they damage uh, a fence. Right. It is for something that's real, mm-hmm. you know. So that's going to be the challenge that that uh, the the left is going to have is well, you know, that they did commit a, a crime besides the fact that they entered illegally. Right. Now, the fact that they are here illegally, that's an added situation. Yes. Well, we'll see how it goes. But the, I already hear that, you know, like you said, they're already challenging in the courts. But if this goes to the same judge that opined on the barriers, I think we're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Because I think he understands what, what's going on. Well, I have a post over at the American Thinker today, George, and um, talking about electric cars, that electric cars are not moving in fact, uh, train. yes, 4,000 dealers apparently wrote a letter to President Biden saying, you know, in, in a very nice way, more or less telling him to stop the mandates because they cannot move these cars. And George, I can tell you my own personal opinion here. You know, I don't have an electric car. I, I don't really have anything against them. It's not that I'm against electric cars in principle or anything like that. But I think they've got two problems. The first problem is they're very expensive. And the second problem is, and this probably applies to a guy like you more than me, they can only go 200 miles. Exactly. So, so the next time you get, you're going to give one of your talks talks uh, around Texas, you're going to have to charge it uh, somewhere along the way. And I know one thing, it takes longer to charge a car it than it does forever. to pump the gasoline. Yeah. I mean, the last two talks that I've given, uh, one has been in, uh, uh, in Frisco, uh, north in north of Dallas, and the other one uh, has been in. Um, gosh, what's the other community just north of of Dallas? Both of them, both of them have been north of Dallas. Now Dallas, Denton, Denton, you were up in Denton, Denton? Yeah. yeah, in yeah. Denton, and uh, you know the situ- uh, I, I'm from my house to uh, Dallas uh, Fort Worth Airport is uh, 225 miles. Right. So, so uh, I would run out of gas. Or or, yeah, run out of battery. And it's the same problem I have. You know, I have a brother who lives in Houston. So we do family trips there from time to time, usually if there's a holiday or a birthday or something like that. And it's almost 300 miles from home to home. So it's like, yes, I would have to recharge the battery somewhere along the way. But as as you know, it just takes a little longer to charge the battery than it does to stop at a gas station, go to the bathroom, and pump pump gas. And um, you know the other fact. The other fact of the matter is, so is that people are just skeptical about electrical cars. Yeah, they just are. Uh, not just the nuisance of it, but the but they're skeptical of it. Um, how much it's going to cost to to fill up, so to speak, a an electrical battery versus how much it costs to fill up a a uh, gas tank. The other aspect of it is, I mean, there's no market. There right. is no market. And you cannot force people. I mean, if there's anything that that socialists 
do not understand is that you cannot force markets. Right. You cannot force markets. And that's well, exactly what they want to do. They want to yeah, subsidize the market so that they can create a market. That's right. Well, they, they, you're right. I mean, this, this electric cars have never been driven by consumer demand. It's all it's all basically the government is encouraging encouraging people to get it. But they what they should have done is done more with charging stations. Uh, and, and because, as I say, if you drive around Texas and you go from here to San Antonio, from here to Houston, even from here to Austin. Yeah, yeah there are some charging stations, but it's going to take you a lot more than 10 minutes to fill up your your to char recharge your battery. Now, there are, I've noticed something that some restaurants along the way you can eat while the car is being charged. I don't yeah. know if if that's enough time but to. At the same time, we don't see enough portals. Right, that's right. So I mean, again, how, how many portals you've got for electric cars, even right right now, versus how many portals would be needed? Because you look at 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 the filling at the at the gas station or the gas pumps. Right. How many gas pumps you need? You have, and that's how many. Uh, portals you would need for for charging the cars. That's right. Now, one thing I will say, hybrids are not a bad idea because that's the combination. Those are the ones that run on electricity for like 50, 60 miles, and then they switch to gas, and then they recharge, I guess. That's the future, I think. If they can find hybrids that, that can go you know, longer, more miles on their on the battery, that might be a solution. But the electric car by itself, may work in a you know in a small community well, they work, where they work in in small countries in europe right well that's, that's true. where they work that's but right and that's they also i mean like i had a friend at the church i had a friend at church george who had one but he basically drove it from home to work and he was driving maybe 150 miles a week so he would charge it one time at home okay that that's practical or works but anyway, so um, well, as long as they don't push, push it forcefully on me, that's fine. Well, that's it. That's exactly right. Let let, let the market go where the market goes, and and the consumer would will eventually buy electric cars if it makes sense. But the price is really high. I mean, I've seen some get, prices. They, you know, if if the environmentalists have their way, we're, they'll get rid of of all gas and oil. So you know. Then we we will have to, by definition, go to go to uh, electrical cars or bicycles or bicycles because at least bicycles you don't have to charge every two hundred. We will miles. all have to live near each other. That's right. That's exactly exactly right. Well, George, as always, thank you so much for your time, and uh, you must be pretty excited about the Cowboys. We are very excited about the Cowboys, and they've got some big games uh, coming up. I thought that game on Thanksgiving Day was pretty I'm incredible. Very excited about the University of Texas Longhorns and yes. SMU. That's right. That you know, it's it's funny. That was a big day for for Texas. You're right. The Longhorns and SMU going back for for the first time in a in a long time. So yes, uh, there was a. I'm sure there were a lot of people partying. Saturday and the good the news even got better today because as you know Texas, Texas is going to be in the final four uh and a lot of people don't like that but I, I you know it's funny there whoever comes in fifth and doesn't quite make it is going to hate the system so I I um I'm almost tempted to go back to the days when we just had bowl games and didn't have to worry about 
you know, college championship games. I remember those days. The bowl games were fine. I never had any complaints about that, George. <laughs> you know, you play a bowl game. Yeah, well, and you, be a complaint. That well, that's true. That's true. Well, George, have a great uh, have a great day, and thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to our next one. Thank you very much for inviting me, as usual. All right, my pleasure. Bye bye, George. Have a uh, have a good time. Our good friend George Rodriguez down in in San Antonio. I wanted to finish with his thought. Uh, I was invited to appear on a radio station in Argentina in Buenos Aires. And that's because of this election that happened in Argentina. I'm sure some of you have heard about this. And I'm going to try to put up the link of the of the of the radio interview. I'll try to put it up on on my blog uh, and maybe over at Babalu as well. But it was a very interesting interview because they were asking me about the president of Argentina. Well, what are people saying about him? And I told them that I think what most people are saying is that everybody's curious about this man. He's such an interesting fellow. He is saying things that you don't normally hear from a candidate or, frankly, a president-elect. And we'll just have to wait and see how far it all goes, what kind of success he has. He obviously has a lot of goodwill from the people of Argentina because he was elected with like 11 or 12 point margins. So he had a big victory that he won. And so the people, I think, are willing to give him a chance to try out his ideas. But we'll see uh, where where he is six months, a year from now. But the fellow is very interesting, a very interesting uh, presidential candidate and someone who is as unconventional as they come, beginning with some of the things that he said during the campaign that he's going to eliminate departments and agencies of the Argentine government. So I don't think he'll be able to do everything he says, but he's an interesting, interesting fellow to, uh, to say the least. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us today on Sunday. Go Cowboys, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. And again, let me just say one more time, congratulations to Texas Longhorns and SMU Mustangs for uh, their football season. It was just absolutely great. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later.